I'm Danita, and I'm here to question the other side of life with you, to show how exploring the shadow can be painful, but also sexy. We ask our listeners to unravel parts of themselves they try to hide, and this can be scary, and also bring moments of revelation and elation. In the next 15 to 20 minutes, we are going to question and move through fear and some avant-garde ideas that might make you feel rage, grief, sadness, and also joy. I'm going to share insights and personal experiences about how I've been embracing the dark so I can live in my light. Welcome to the other side. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Danita. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. There's a little bit of heavy in my heart right now. I feel like really grounded and safe, I guess, at the moment. And that feels really nice. I'm glad you feel that way because it is a difficult time and many people are feeling unsafe right now. I'm glad that you are in a good space. I guess to lead into that, how come we're talking about this today is that we're actually going to talk about the fires that are going on around the world and specifically my home in Kelowna, British Columbia. Kelowna and West Kelowna, the Shushwap, Lake Country, all types of areas in BC are under fire. There's lots of home evacuations. And in particular, my home has been evacuated. We actually rent our home out in the summer and received a message on Thursday night that everyone was leaving the homes in the space. I didn't realize what was all had been going on. And so we got this message and it was like, oh my gosh. And we started looking at the news and it was just like fire, like just the craziest, most intense fire coming down the mountains. It was scary, scary for a lot of people that were there and then having to evacuate. And, you know, like we were talking to people renting our home and they're like, yeah, we had three minutes to leave the house and they're trying to pack up their things. And what do they pack and what do they do and what do they grab? It was pretty intense for them. My cousin was there with a massive group of people from her work. It's like their annual get-together. They fly in from all over the United States, all over Canada. They were in Kelowna. They started to notice just like a whisper of smoke in the distance. And they happened to be leaving that morning. And she said that she got onto the plane and was on the tarmac. And at that exact moment, the pilot came on and said, we have noted a potential fire and we may not be able to take off. And then two minutes later, he said, we're going to go for it because if we don't, we're not going to leave. And it happened that quickly. And then when they took off, she said she looked down and could just see fire spreading out of control in an instant. They got out back to the States, just like you said, when you have minutes to evacuate, they're not kidding. Yeah, they're not messing around. I think our evacuation, they were doing it because we have one road in, one road out. Literally, if you get stuck in there, you can't get out unless it's by water. The fire was a little bit off in the distance to start. And that's when they started saying, you know, like our area, that was that one way in, one way out needed to evacuate. So I think they were being very cautious, which was great to get everyone out of there. The next day, the fire and the day after the fire actually came towards our neighborhood. And, you know, we had the fire coming down the mountain and it was like three streets up from our home, there was people with their cameras, like their home cameras or game cameras, movement cameras. And they were capturing footage of firefighters going in and then the fire coming right up to the back of their door and just holding the fire off. Luckily, no structure was 
compromised in our neighborhood, but I do know that many were compromised in Kelowna and West Kelowna and in Lake Country. A lot of people are going through so many emotions right now. You know, like the feeling of safety. What is that like when your safety is compromised by like a, a wildfire or a natural disaster? And how does that impact you? And then like the grief and the loss that you feel from that and in just that uncertainty. We talk about grief a lot from someone passing or from a relationship. But what happens when it's like something uncontrollable like this? What kind of grief are you experiencing? I actually wanted to touch on how grief can be so connected to core wounds. You know, like that's what I love to talk about is core wounds. But grief itself doesn't necessarily trigger your core wounds, but there's this huge emotions that come with grief can really exasperate and bring them to the surface and bring this intense and overwhelming emotion into your life. That can be so hard. It can be so hard. Obviously, overall, the human race globally experiences massive natural disasters in so many capacities in every way, every day. And do you think there's any connection between like the individual grief that people feel or a collective grief overall? I mean, you talk about the core wounds. So is it more on a how each individual person is feeling and then having to deal with that grief? Or do we even like connect with those around us? It's like this group grief situation. I definitely think you can grieve as a group, as a community. And that grief can often come and be connected to your own core wound experiences that may amplify it in some way. When there's like this big change or loss, a lot of people will be feeling like this lack of control or helplessness or inadequacy because they're not able to do anything. If you have a core wound that's connected to that during this time of group grief, it might be amplified and and exasperated, which then means like you can have these feelings of vulnerability and helplessness the whole group is probably feeling because in some way, shape, or form, they may have a core wound connection to lack of control or helplessness or inadequacy. Tell me if I'm correct from what I've learned and gleaned from you so far over the last episodes about core wounds that most of them are created or generated or you realize them very, very early on in life when you're very, very young. So when you mentioned something to the idea of like helplessness, the first thing it makes me think is like as a child, as a young child, that would be a feeling that many people would encounter often, right? Because you just, you are helpless. Well, exactly. And I mean, grief can trigger so many memories that a person has had. And this might even be related to death or loss of a parent or like divorce, you know, one parent leaving and you're not really connected to that parent anymore or any other traumatic event that you felt as a child. When something like this happens as an adult, the way that you manage that as a child and what you learned and how to cope is often how you grow in your coping mechanisms. If you were taught to cope well with this loss as a child, you're still going to feel like this grief and this loss and the sadness, different emotions that go with it, but your coping mechanisms can definitely be impacted by what you were taught as a child and how to grow from it. And the same thing here in this instance as an adult, when you are feeling this grief or this loss or this helplessness, what were you taught? What were you taught to do? And what have you learned to do? And how are you taught to manage these big emotions that come up? Okay, when well, let's talk about coping mechanisms then. Do you want to talk about the, the positive, great coping mechanisms that you can use or you were taught when you were young or maybe touch on the ones that are not great so that we would know 
as we move forward this current grief as a collective, that we have the correct skills to deal with the feelings that are coming up. Yeah. So a lot of this coping mechanisms is allow yourself to feel what you feel. It is true. You have a lack of control when there is a wildfire, for example. That is a fact. You cannot control it. So allow yourself to feel that helplessness. And what does it bring up for you? And then write it down. Journal. Like there's all the things that you can do. Meditate. Ask the universe, what is in it for you? What can you do? Another thing you can do is actually lean on your community. And this is a great time to connect with the people that are feeling the same way that you do. If there's a lack of control and helplessness, go with the mindset of wanting not to control, just to share your experience and realize and understand and allow yourself to feel that this is normal. This is a very normal feeling that you're feeling. So then you're not getting upset with yourself for feeling anger. You are angry that this is happening to you. But is it happening to you to the sense that this you personally are taking this on or is this happening in the world and you can move through it and as a collective whole, you can work together and come out of it on the other side? It's brilliant that you said community because I know you have seen this in the worst situations and the worst natural disasters. That is when people can come together, support each other, say we are experiencing this together You feel what I feel. I feel what you feel. What can we now do to take action to move through this situation and help each other out and get to the other side? And not all people will be okay and equipped to get to that other side, maybe emotionally, but some will. And it's by leaning on those that can help that really gets everyone to a place where they can at least have some semblance of like normalcy come back after something so horrific. The biggest thing there, I think, is to not internalize it. When you internalize it and make it about yourself, this natural desire disaster became about you rather than whatever's going on in the world, then that's when you're really triggered. Like you're angry at the world for bad things happening to you. Right. Or bad things are happening. What can I do? Exactly. That takes a lot. <laughs> it actually takes a lot of work to get to that point where you can feel that way. It doesn't mean that you're always going to feel that way. If both parts of you inside can say, I can understand that this is happening and I want to get to the point where I can see that it's happening around me, not just to me, then that's a really great step. It's a phenomenal step because with time, we know things will happen. Events will continue to unfold. Disasters will strike when you least expect. And resilience perhaps is part of the formation of this, dealing with this in the moment. So the next time something else comes up, maybe you're better equipped than to deal with that event. And better equipped, but always just remember, like, you are allowed to feel. And that's the biggest thing. And there is no timeline on that. Thank you. It's just one of the biggest things that I always think. For example, this is the wildfire in Kelowna right now. They have it pretty much under control. By the time we're recording this, it's pretty much under control. There's going to be some people that just snap back to it and they're back in the game and they're back at work and they're living their life. How long is their memory of this? Right. Might be pretty short. And then there's people that are impacted differently. And it might not even have to do with the fact that they lost their home, which the people that lost their home are going to have a different timeline as well. Yes. Any one of those timelines, we don't know how people are going to feel for that amount of time. Like the level of fear that comes into play. Fear is a huge emotion and how you react to that fear, whichever way you go with your fear, just allow yourself to feel the fear and kind of see where it's coming from. Is it because your safety was compromised? 
Did the fear come because you felt a lack of control? Did the fear come because you were feeling vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Where did the fear come from? And when you can start really feeling that fear and where it came from, you're better able to give yourself like this nudge in the direction of, I can feel through it. And I'm going to carry the fear with me and it's going to be a memory. It happened, but I can start to see how to live again with the memory of the fear, but not having to dictate your reactions and your decisions in the future to such an extent that you are just basing your decision purely on fear. So a lot of people I know are considering like, do I move? Do I move? Do I get up and leave? I, I might need to move. Maybe you might feel that that's a really important step for you and your family if your security was compromised and your safety felt compromised, but giving yourself the time and the space to actually feel that fear. Once you've felt that and moved through it, okay, do I want to move? Do I actually want to move or am I basing this decision based on a reaction or a feeling that I had, a fear? Kind of awesome. I do feel like there's this part of us that are so attached to material possessions and that we really feel with them that when that attachment is threatened, then like our security and our safety is compromised. And it's just like this fear just comes barreling down on us. And we do not know how to manage that. We don't. When your security is attached to possessions or your home, which I mean, it might even be attached to the memories of the home. It can be really broad. It can be like the physical part of it. it can be the financial consideration of your home, but it can be like the memories, like this is where my family grew up and you know, this is where I had my kids or this is where I fell in love with my partner. Whatever those attachments are, when those are really compromised, then you know, you just, you don't feel safe. There are some people that have less attachment to things. They're able to feel less threatened by like a wildfire hitting your home. It makes perfect sense. I personally do not have attachments to things. I never have. It's like the way in which I live and move throughout the world. I also know a lot of people that in terms of the memory, like I can't get rid of this item from 15 years ago because it means this to me. So I couldn't imagine that kind of person having to that quickly evacuate or the thought of them losing those things that so connect to their memories and their life, it, it it would be excruciating. I don't know what that feels like, but I can kind of put myself in their shoes and understand how difficult that would be. I think it's extremely difficult. I think it's really challenging. I think that's where, you know, the big loss comes in, like that big sense of loss. Loss. That's what you haven't mentioned yet, the loss or the idea of loss. The idea of loss. When Kurt and I were talking about it, it's like, what are we really concerned about? Like, what's the biggest thing? It was kind of strange. For me, it was the loss of time afterwards. The cleanup, the, not even the cleanup, building again, creating again, like that loss of time to come back to the position where it's like, now we have a home again. It was that part of it that really, I was like, oh man, that's what, that's where my fear is coming in. For the kids, it was really... <laughs> They're like, I just want my stuffed animals. <laughs> so we actually have all their, most of their stuffed animals with us because, you know, we're camping all summer. So they have their little belongings that they love and they have them in the van with us. The big ones were like, well, that penguin is still there and we got to get that. Like, that's what I need to get. I kind of was like, I get it. I get it. Like, you love that so much. That's what you want. And that's what you need. It's just what people bring out of it because they're afraid of the loss of it and like the memories with it and just whatever means so much to them in their in their body in their heart 
That's what they grab when they leave. Not to be really negative in this moment, but the idea that people have had to have left their pets. I could not imagine that you are not able to take your family member with you. That's like another level of loss and detachment. In particular, the Okanagan wildfires, we were all very lucky, fortunate that there wasn't an actual, there was no physical injury. That is something to be really grateful for. But that doesn't mean loss isn't happening. I mean, just prior to that, obviously the fires in Hawaii, that's loss of human life. And not to mention the idea that this is like history, history of society of Hawaii was just like up in flames. Like there's that whole other level of generational loss, cultural loss, societal loss. I mean, it's just layers upon layers. And that loss is going to be felt for a long time. And I think that that is something to allow people to have is the grief of their loss and the time to feel it. Dina, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story as you live through these feelings, as you feel fear for your home, for your family, for your friends in Kelowna, where you live. And yet you're so eloquently able to share this great advice with all of us that we can use in any sort of global disaster or feeling of fear when triggered by something. Thank you for taking the time and space to share this information with us. It's extremely valuable. Thanks, Jen, for listening. And I always love as you pull it together, bring it together, hear my words and share them so eloquently. And just as a side note, I just got a text as we're doing this that we are able to go back to our homes in Kelowna. Oh, my goodness. I just got goosebumps. How timely. Good. It's wonderful, Danita. It's amazing. Thanks, Jen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It is my mission to help as many people as possible explore the other side of life, to find awareness in their truth and learn to love where they are at and discover where they can go. So if you found support and guidance in any way today, I would love to hear from you. The best way is to simply share your love by leaving me a comment on whatever platform you are tuning in from. I will be reading every single one of them. Or you can connect with me on YouTube where I share healing sound meditations. And you can always learn more about me, my services, and what it is I do at www.gypsyheart.ca. That's www.gypsyheart.ca. I can't wait to connect again soon.